It is good to be here with you guys. Last weekend, I, I preached at our Janesville campus, which is great. I love preaching there. Um, uh, but I missed being here in this room with all of you. So it's good to be here with you guys. I, I'm sorry to those. I tried to make my way. I don't know how dad does it. I tried to get my way through everyone to greet everyone. I know I missed this section and another section up there, but I, I hope you guys feel welcome um, and, and, and feel how much we love that you are here. Um, I got a question for you though. Um, have you ever been to Ikea? Yeah. I Ikea is awesome. My wife, she loves Ikea. So we've spent a lot of time in Ikea. All this, all the displays, they're incredible. You can see the furniture and see how they would maybe look in your house and stuff like that. So we've spent time looking at different pieces and things like that. And eventually you, you decide which piece of furniture you want. You take that little picture, you, you head to the ground floor, you go find the box, you put it on that thing that kind of has the mind of its own. Try to push it, you buy it, try to get it into your car. Get it home, and the worst thing about Ikea, though, is once you get it home, you open that box, and you see this. Like, what in the world is that? What did I get myself into? You kind of just maybe stand there staring at it, thinking, is this even in English? It looks so complicated. You, maybe you even begin to feel a little confused. The bad part is, that's important. You most likely are not going to get your furniture put together without those instructions. Maybe you could do it. Maybe you manage to do it without the instructions, but you run the risk of putting a screw or, or some other component in the wrong place, which would affect the durability of that piece of furniture. That piece of furniture, it could end up falling apart because you put something in the wrong place. But here's what I know. I, I know there's at least one person, maybe many people in this room that could look at those instructions and be like, I get that. I, I could do that. I, I, I see those steps. I could, I could work my way through that. Or maybe they e have even done that piece of furniture before. They've assembled it before. They have the experience. Imagine sitting next to someone like that who knows what they're doing, sharing their experiencing, taking you through step by step of how to build this complicated piece of furniture, it changes everything, right? And the truth is our, our faith in God, it can sometimes feel like a box of Ikea furniture. And we're doing our best to assemble it. We, we have the instructions, we have the Bible, but sometimes we stare at the Bible and we just think, oh my gosh, is this thing even in English? Maybe we begin to feel a little confused or, or even a little frustrated. We try to assemble our faith the best way we can, and maybe we, we try to assemble it with religion. A list of things to do or, or not do. And eventually we fail at that, and, and our faith, it, it falls apart. Or maybe we try to assemble our faith with rituals. Things that we think, oh, we'll just do these three things or a few things or these list of things over and over and eventually everything's going to be perfect, but that perfection, it never comes and our, our faith, it falls apart as a result. Our faith, it is not durable. It is not sustainable when it is centered around religion or rituals. There's a key component that we are missing. 
a key component in the instructions that if, if we focus on that component, it, it can change everything. It can hold our faith together. We have to realize it's not about religion. It's not about rituals. It's all about a relationship, a relationship with Jesus. Jesus, he is that key component. Jesus, he is the glue. Jesus is the nails that will hold our faith together. And when we realize that, we, we experience joy, the joy of Jesus. And, and this joy, it's indescribable. It's a joy that just kind of rises up inside of us. And we realize, oh my gosh, I've been viewing the Bible wrong all this time. And we begin to put our faith back together. And wouldn't you love to share that joy? And that's what we've been called to do, Right? To share the love, to share the good news, the salvation of Jesus. And truthfully, sometimes sitting next to someone who understands, someone who's had a similar experience, it can change everything. But nowadays, that can be difficult, right? In a world that is not perfect, in a world that there's so many different opinions, so many different views, so many different pizza toppings, all these different things. It's like, oh my gosh, how do I open up and share my faith in Jesus? How, how do I live it out? How, how, how can I commit to sharing his love? How can I come alongside someone who's feeling confused or feeling frustrated? How, how can we sit beside those people who are yearning for God, but they can't seem to fit their build their faith together? How do we sit beside them and point them to Jesus? In the book of Acts, we see the very beginning of the church. Jesus, he ascends into heaven. And as he does, he tells the disciples, hey, go make disciples. Go to all these nations, all these other regions. Tell people about me. Tell them about their savior. Tell them the good news of my love and forgiveness. So the disciples, they do it. They, they go in Jerusalem. They start a church and it's incredible. The Holy Spirit descends and people are baptized. Thousands of people are giving their lives to Christ. But in Jerusalem, there was still a power, an authority that was opposing the message of Jesus. So this power, this authority, it started to work against the church. They started to arrest people, to beat people, to kill people. And eventually the, the church, it was destroyed. People who were preaching the message of Jesus, they kind of scattered. They kind of went to other regions that were in the area. One of those people was a man named Philip. He flees from Jerusalem and he goes to Samaria. He finds a city there and he kind of settles down there to continue doing what he was doing in Jerusalem. Here's what the Bible says. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they want, went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. There was joy, J-O-Y, joy in that city. Philip, he continued to preach the word of Jesus, the message of Jesus, the, the power of God. It was changing lives. There was a revival in that city. And I'm sure it was exciting for Philip, right? Being a part of that, God using him and, and healing people and helping people. I'm sure at one point, Philip starts to think, man, this is awesome. 
I could get used to this. I'm feeling pretty comfortable with everything that's going on here. But just as Philip began to feel comfortable, God had other plans. Here's what the Bible says. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, arise and go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. I'm sorry, God. Say that again. Have you not seen everything I accomplished here? All the good things that are happening here in this city, the revival that is happening, and you want me to leave this place and go to the desert? To a road from Jerusalem to Gaza? Well, why would I do that? I'm sure it was uncomfortable for Philip to follow those directions from God, those commands to leave, going to some place where he didn't know what was going to happen next, leaving the comfort of everything good that was going on. But all he could do was trust in God's direction. All he could do was trust in what he knew. And what did Philip know? He knew the joy. He knew the transformation that occurs through a relationship with Jesus. In my mind, Philip, most likely, he does not hesitate. He, he follows God's commands, maybe says to God, all right, God, just lead me where to go. Take me where you need me, even if it's outside of my comfort zone. Take me where you need me. Have you ever said that to God? Take me where you need me. That's a scary thing to say out loud to God. But we know the joy of Jesus, right? We, we feel it and we want to share it. And we, so we begin to say, God, wherever you need me to share this love, to share the good news of Jesus, just let me know where it is. But over there, don't take me there, God. I don't want to go there. Or, or that person over there, please don't make me talk to them. Have you seen what they write on Facebook? Uh, do you know the kind of opinions they have? Well, we are complete opposites. Please don't make me talk to them. It would be so uncomfortable. We, we want to share the joy of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, but sometimes it can feel uncomfortable, especially when we're sharing that message with someone who is very different from us. But the truth is, sometimes God, he is calling us out of our comfort zone, not to make us feel uncomfortable, but to help us grow, to stretch us and bring us to a place where we can share the love of Jesus with confidence, allowing there to be absolutely nothing, no barriers that would ever prevent us from sharing the love of Jesus with absolutely anyone. And as we share that good news of Jesus with people who are far from him, people who have maybe read the Bible and just felt confused, or, or maybe people who have gone to church and, and they felt hurt by that church, so now they're feeling frustrated. People still viewing the Bible through the lens of religion and rituals, we get a chance to show them the authenticity of Jesus. And though it can be uncomfortable at first, there's something that happens. Not just to the person that we are helping, but something happens in us as well. So following God's commands, Philip, he goes, he just starts going, looking for that road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. He's probably nervous, but even in his discomfort, he continues to obey and trust God's commands. But imagine when he gets to that road and eventually he does. He's there on that desert road. He's kind of looking around. There's nothing around him. Out in the middle of nowhere, there's tumbleweeds blowing across the road. There's buzzards in the sky circling above him. He looks around and sees nothing. And he thinks, all right, God, 
I know I said, take me where you need me, but what in the world do I do now? And as he's standing on that road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza, maybe he hears something coming down the road and he looks at, he sees a chariot coming his way. He probably steps out of the way because in those times, only important people rode in chariots. In this specific chariot that was coming Philip's way, there was a very important person, excuse me, <clears throat> a very important person in that chariot. This man in the chariot, he, he was an Ethiopian official from Ethiopia. He, he served the queen of Ethiopia. He was very important. He, he was the minister of treasury in Ethiopia. But in Ethiopia, there, there had been a, a bunch of different Jewish people that had settled there. So he probably learned from them the, uh, about the, the one true God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. So learning from them, he, he probably got to the point where he was like, man, I, I got to learn more about this God. I need to travel from Ethiopia to Jerusalem, visit the temple, maybe offer a sacrifice, hear the scriptures being read and learn more about this God. So he does that. He, he travels to Jerusalem, hoping to attend the temple and worship God there. Once he gets to the temple, he is prevented from entering. You see, in that time, if you served a queen, if you were a male and you were an official to a queen, you were castrated, becoming a eunuch. And so he gets to the temple and they say, uh-uh-uh, you can't come in here. You're a eunuch. You're not allowed in here. Also, you're a Gentile. You're not even Jewish. You can't come inside here. There's a place over here outside the inner table. There's this outside area over here. This is the courtyard of the Gentiles. You can go hang out with the people there. You are not allowed to come in here. So you can imagine this Ethiopian official. He goes into that courtyard, the outside of where people are worshiping God feeling confused, feeling like he's being prevented from worshiping this God, being prevented from learning more. Maybe even feeling frustrated and unaccepted because of his status, but he's not stopping there. He's rich and he's important. So he goes before he leaves and he buys the scripture. He buys a scroll. Back then, you couldn't just do that. You couldn't just buy scrolls of scripture. You had to be important. You had to be wealthy, which he was. So he's able to fork out some cash and get that scripture. He hops in his chariot. All right, let's just head back to Ethiopia. They're traveling from Jerusalem down towards Gaza. Now he's reading that scripture in the chariot as they, ride, as they go. He's trying to make it all make sense. He's reading stuff. He doesn't really understand it. He's still yearning for God, though, even though he felt unaccepted, even though he felt frustrated and confused, he's still trying to seek out God, trying to build his faith. As that chariot passes Philip, Philip just standing on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere, following God's direction, that chariot passes Philip and Philip hears the words of God being read in that chariot, being spoken aloud. So Philip, he starts running after the chariot. He's running alongside it. He's listening to this Ethiopian official read from the book of Isaiah. And these men, they have no idea that they are, are about to experience a divine appointment arranged by God. 
And I believe as, as they interact, I believe that there are three things that Philip offers the official that we can offer as we share the love of Jesus as well. Let's look and see how their interaction begins. So Philip, he ran up to the chariot. He heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. What a non-confrontational question, right? He's not casting any judgment. He's simply asking, hey, hey, do you understand? Is there any way I can help? Is there anything I can do? He's not starting this conversation with a confrontation, but instead he's just starting it with genuine concern, a genuine desire to help. He's offering peace. That's something we can offer people as we share the love of Jesus. We can offer peace. Conversations about Jesus, they should not be confrontational, nor should they, be, nor should they lead to conflict. Imagine if, if Philip had run and jumped on that chariot and said, hey, let me tell you about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That Ethiopian official would be like, ah, you seem a little crazy. Go ahead and get off my chariot. Guards, take him away. Instead, Philip says, hey, are you okay? It seems like you're struggling right now. Is there any way I can help you? Tell me what's going on. Well, what exactly are you struggling to understand? We speak peace. If that peace is not received, then we simply move on. There's no need for an argument. That's not going to help anything. We're not engaging anyone to win an argument or force our beliefs on them. Only God can move the hearts of people. You don't have to change a person's heart or mind. Just offer them peace as you share with them the love of Jesus. God, he is going to do the rest. We offer peace and we listen. And as we listen to what they say, uh, they begin to see that we truly do care. We're not just trying to push our own agenda. And, and the official, he accepts the peace that Philip offers. Here's what happens next. How can I? He said, I need someone to explain it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him, an invitation to sit, an invitation to talk, an invitation to just spend some time together. Philip, he, he accepts that invitation and he climbs into the chariot with the official. And as he climbs into that chariot, as he sits right next to that official, someone who is completely different from him, someone from a, a different world, Philip, he is offering his presence. And that's something we offer as well as we share the love of Jesus. We offer presence. And we have to enter into every conversation knowing that everyone has broken and hurting pieces of their lives. And sometimes they just need someone to sit with them, to hang out with them. And I'm sure Philip, he could sense the confusion and the frustration the Ethiopian official was experiencing. So he climbs into the same space. He sits and gets in close. He offers his presence. He doesn't just stand on the side of the road shouting at the chariot as it passes by. He offers his presence and a possibility for a relationship. As we offer our presence, what we are also offering is our time. We climb into their space. We meet them where they are. We get to know the person and we truly attempt to understand exactly why they are hurting. And that begins to build trust so that not only are we demonstrating the authentic love of Jesus, but, but we're building a trust with them so we can continue to share more. 
And no matter how we how different we are from one another, no matter how different our opinions are, how different our political views are. We we as Christ followers, we should always be led by love, grace, compassion, and acceptance before anything else. And by offering our time and our presence, offering a chance for a relationship, we set that foundation for that trust just to continue to grow and grow and grow. And and it allows that, those people, uh, a time to be open and honest with what they're struggling with. It allows a time for us, an opening for us to share the good news of Jesus with them, our relationship with Jesus, our experiences. And that's what happens with Philip and the official. They get honest, they get real, they get vulnerable. They spend time together reading the scripture. Here's what the Bible says. Here's the part of scripture the official was reading. It says, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The official said to Philip, tell me, please, who's the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with the same part of scripture. He told him the good news. Of Jesus, they they were reading from the the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter fifty three. The official, he's continuing to be intrigued. He's he's continuing to have this desire of building his faith for God. He's trying to build a faith with proper instructions, trying to build a faith that will be durable, a, a faith that will not fall apart. Even though he's felt unaccepted, he's felt frustrated, he's felt confused. His desire for God, it it remains. And now in this chariot, he's sitting next to the perfect person to spend time with and help him make it all make sense. And Philip, he has the perfect time to share the good news of Jesus. The Bible says uh, that Philip starts with the very scripture that they were reading. In my mind, I can see Philip just kind of going through the whole chapter of text just kind of pointing things out to the Ethiopian official so that he understands a little better. And as he makes his way through the text, I imagine Philip explaining to the official exactly who Jesus was. The Lamb of God, God's one and only Son, God incarnate, come to earth to live amongst us. Maybe Philip even tells the official about the incredible things that Jesus did, all the miracles, all the teaching. Maybe Philip begins to tell the the official about Jesus' compassion, his love for people who were far from God, his love for people who were outcasts and sinners. And you can imagine the Ethiopian official listening to that. This Jesus, he accepted everyone. Even after this official had been prevented from going into worship, prevented from the temple, feeling uh, like he wasn't good enough. He's learning that this Jesus accepted people like him. Then eventually, after Philip explains who Jesus was, Philip begins to explain what Jesus did. Maybe Philip even finishes reading the whole text from Isaiah. In that chapter, if you continue reading, it goes on to say this, although he is innocent, he will take the punishment for the sins of others so that many of them will no longer be guilty. Philip, he explains how Jesus laid down his life to be a sacrifice so that our sins would be forgiven, forgiven, no longer causing us to be separated from God's love, no longer causing us 
to be outside of God's domain, domain, making a way so that anyone, absolutely anyone, can make their way into the presence of God. And then Philip, he begins to share who Jesus is today. That three days after his death, Jesus rose from the dead, putting an end to sin and death, and then ascending into heaven to sit at the right hand of God with all power, all authority, and all dominion over the earth. As Philip shares that good news with the Ethiopian official, he's offering this official promise. The promise of Jesus. And that's the same thing we can offer to people as we share the good news of Jesus. We offer the promise of Jesus. And as people feel overwhelmed with confusion or frustration, struggling to figure out how they can build their faith, we offer them that promise of Jesus. We simply share who Jesus was, what Jesus did, and who Jesus is today. That's the gospel. That is the good news. Because of who Jesus was, because of what Jesus did, and because of who Jesus is today, we are forgiven. We have acceptance and we have hope no matter what we face in this life. And with that, the confusion, man, it just begins to fade. We begin to see things with clarity. We begin to view the Bible in a completely different way. And we begin to realize that that God, he saw us. In this constant state of confusion, this constant state of frustration, a state of separation because of our sins. So God, he sent Jesus to be our peace. He sent Jesus as a peace offering, a way to restore and reconcile our relationship with him. God, he sent Jesus to be his presence among us, fulfilling his plan, fulfilling his promise that he made long ago. We begin to see so clearly that we receive God's peace, presence, and promise through Jesus. And we get to offer that same peace, that same presence, and that same promise to those who are lost, to those who are confused, those who feel like their faith is being crushed by the weight of what is not perfect, crushed by the weight of religion and rituals. We help them find that key element to hold their faith together. Uh, The foundation that they can build their life on, a real relationship with Jesus. As Philip and the official shared this chariot ride, Philip, he not only spoke about the gospel, he was demonstrating the gospel. He was demonstrating the good news. He was living it out. And as he lived out that peace, that presence in that promise of Jesus, a third person was invited into that chariot, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit began to stir. The Holy Spirit began to work in the heart of the official. Here's what happened next. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. The official said, look, here's water. What can prevent me from being baptized? He gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the official went down into the water. Philip baptized him. And the official, he was ready to respond to the gospel. He was ready to show that he fully believed in who Jesus was, what Jesus did, and who Jesus is today. And he asked that question, what can prevent me from being baptized? In my mind, it's more like a statement. 
moment in my mind, he's finally realizing that there's absolutely nothing in this world that can prevent him from getting to Jesus. There's absolutely nothing in this world that can prevent his belief in the gospel. There's absolutely nothing in this world that can prevent his faith in God. And look, here's water in the middle of the desert. What are the chances there's water? Stop this chariot. Get out. Take me down to the water and baptize me because I don't want to live one more minute on this planet without Jesus Christ. Have you felt that same stirring? The Holy Spirit speaking to you? Maybe today, maybe a different day saying, hey, it's time to be baptized. It's time to commit your life to Jesus Christ. Imagine Philip in this moment. Philip, man, he has seen some stuff. The beginning of the church in Jerusalem, right? The, the descending of the Holy Spirit, people being baptized, thousands and thousands. He felt the joy of Jesus there, right? And then as he fled, he goes to Samaria and he's healing all these people as he's preaching the message of Jesus, doing all these things, uh, casting out demons. Oh my gosh, he felt the joy of Jesus there, right? All these amazing things are happening. Part of him probably felt, well, now as I'm sitting here with this Ethiopian official, this is great, but man, uh, things were so much better where I was. But then as he is in that water, as he is baptizing this man, as he is once again witnessing the transformation, the joy that comes from a real relationship with Jesus, he realizes that the joy of Jesus, it will not be confined to one place. The joy of Jesus, it will not be confined to what is grandiose. The joy of Jesus, it goes wherever the gospel is proclaimed, no matter how many people are there. The joy of Jesus, it will not be bound. As the Ethiopian official comes out of the water after he's baptized, the Bible says he goes away rejoicing, living in the joy of Jesus. In my mind, I think of the region that he goes back to, uh, his status, his wealth, his, his position. I think of all the people, all the places that he could go, sharing that joy, sharing the goodness, sharing the love, sharing the message of Jesus as he goes. All because Philip was on that road, all because this man was desiring to learn, all because they listened to God's direction, the joy of Jesus will live out. And we get to share that same joy. We don't just proclaim what we believe in Jesus, but we demonstrate it. We live it out. We climb into the chariot with those who are hurting and confused. We offer them our peace. We offer them our presence and we offer them the, pre the promise of Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit begins to work, creating a joy that is indescribable, a joy that is absolutely undeniable, a joy that goes with us everywhere we go. Even when, when it feels uncomfortable, we look for the joy of Jesus a joy that we receive because of who Jesus was, what Jesus did, and who Jesus is today, and who Jesus will be for the rest of eternity. A joy that we share with those who are feeling frustrated, who are feeling confused, who are feeling unaccepted, struggling to put their faith together. A joy that knows no bounds, all because of the work of Jesus. 
Maybe you've come today and you feel like that Ethiopian official. You've been trying to put your faith together, trying to build it on something that is durable, something that lasts. And you're yearning to learn more. You're yearning to get into the word of God. You're yearning to sit with someone that can help you understand. But just like George said earlier, we have options for you. As you leave today, you'll get one of these. Take it home, pray about it. Look at the different options for classes we have. This is a perfect place for you to come and, and learn more, dive in deeper, continue to build your faith around Jesus. What's crazy is George and I, we didn't communicate about what we were going to say. He didn't know I was using this Ikea furniture reference. I didn't know he was using a construction thing, but God knew. And it all connects. And maybe you're even sitting there and you're, and you're thinking, I know the joy of Jesus. And you want to practice sharing that joy with others. Come to one of these classes. It's a perfect place to do that. Perfect place to sit next to someone and share your experience so that we can all grow together as a family. That we can all grow in the joy of Jesus. We're going to sing one more song. If you've come today and you're just feeling like life is weighing you down and you would like prayer today, we will be down here to pray with you. Just come forward during this last song. If, if you've come today and you felt that stirring of the Holy Spirit and you're thinking, I don't want to live one more minute on this planet without Jesus Christ, there is water. Come down during this last song and we will baptize you today. You leave this room living in the joy of Jesus. But if you would stand with me now, I'd love to pray with you. Before I hop off the stage. So let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we come before you so thankful, so grateful for all that you do. So grateful for your peace, God. So grateful for your presence. So grateful for the promise of Jesus that we receive through you. We pray that we could leave today or my friends who are joining us online, wherever we go. We pray that we would live out that peace. We live out that presence. We live out that promise and all that we do, that we would live in the joy of Jesus and we would know no matter what, no matter what we face in this life, God, that you are sovereign, you are in control, and that as we seek Jesus and we build our faith around a relationship with Jesus, nothing can stop you. So we bow before you, God, in reverence, ask you to pour your comfort, pour your goodness into our lives, ask you to pour courage into our lives so that we would have the courage to get uncomfortable sometimes to share the good news of Jesus with those that need it. And we thank you again, God, for all that you do. But above all, we thank you for Jesus allowing us to have forgiveness, allowing us to have acceptance, allowing us to have hope, allowing nothing in this world to prevent us from you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and follow us on our social media platforms. That way you can stay up to date with what's happening here at Central. And as always, have a great week.